2: Fight now in the dressing room. I'm outside. There's a fight going on, and Chris and uh, uh, the drummer Matt, Matt Cameron. Cameron. Matt was never part of all the lunacy, right? They walk out and they do my wave with an acoustic guitar and drums, and that was the ignominious, sad end of. Soundgarden. It ended that night.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Twenty Twenty. I'm Siobhan Cronin here, as always, with my cohorts, compatriots, co-hosts, friends, fellow Lost Symphony bandmates, Benny Goodman and Corey Paza. How's it going?
0: Cheers. It's
3: going Cheers.
1: Great. And I'm so I'm, I'm I'm out of wine. That was kind of pathetic. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: Wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. <laughs> oh gosh.
1: This week, though, part two with Steve Wood, senior manager at Shelter Music Group, but I feel like he has so many other titles beyond that, and you definitely have to listen to part one, like, that and subscribe. That sounds corporate
0: and boring. Let's call it as it is. Steve Wood is literally who you wish you were if you're a dude in any time period ever. Well, I'm and a little more tactful you you and met. nice
2: to our listeners than you
1: are, so sorry about that. No, I'm just saying
0: he's the coolest... So you see those, like, Dos Equis ads or whatever? I don't even Dos know say, Equis? I don't just, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the most interesting man in the world. This is legitimately the most interesting man in the world.
1: So Absolutely. many stories.
0: Yeah. So
3: let's just dive right in. Steve Wood, part two. No water. Okay. <laughs>
1: 2020. 2020-d.com. Okay. Okay.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza. I'm here as always with my cohorts in crime, Siobhan Cronin.
1: Hey, everyone.
3: And Benny Goodman. Hello there, Corey. You, that that deep thought before you say something—I never know yeah. what to expect. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm always appreciative when it's very subtle and not—it's
1: it, a grab bag. It depends
3: on the day. It
2: may yeah. not last, right?
3: And <laughs> and that voice you hear—that handsome guy in the corner—you see—that is Thank our guest much. this week, who is joining us for a second, a part two here, uh, Mr. Steve Wood, who in the previous episode, if you have not heard it. Get go to dot 20 20 dcom Check it out. We get the like ultimate guide to living rock and roll. That's the best way I can put it. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was, it was like was the crazy. rock and
0: roll safari listening to him talk. like <laughs> and This is where you see David story. Bowie doing blow in the bathroom. This is where Freddie Mercury is talking to Elton John about how he's going to leave the band.
1: No, it's such an yeah. incredible journey you've had and so well told. So for I mean, anyone that hasn't that listened, listened, go
2: listen to it.
1: I'm excited you, to hear dude. more.
2: There's lots more actually and, and and a lot of it is just uh, um it's like the energizer bunny I just it starts and I just go I mean uh, uh, so great ask away I'm all ears
3: so it w- it was great kind of
2: hearing how you got
3: into this world in the previous episode yeah and I, I think we're all curious just just what exactly you do for do these do? artists that you that you work with. Okay. um, kind of give us give us an overall outlook of like like your you know day to day and what you've done over the past you know couple of decades with these people. These yeah, what does it, it look like now?
0: So we know that the eighties and the seventies was a giant blur of cocaine and yeah. caring people and making sure that Steven Tyler didn't <laughs> fall over. Was. Like we get that. And is it still that? Is it still making sure Steven Tyler no. doesn't fall over, or is it no. Joey Kramer this time?
2: No, it's um, it's macrobiotic food, Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous. Uh, uh, nannies, um, early nights. <laughs> it's really so a lot of fun, in other uh, words. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff's gone now. I mean, um, but if, to ask what I do, <clears throat> I'm a logistics guy, uh, a tactician, if you will. Um, and I don't know how any of the things that I do work, but I know people that do. And <clears throat> I'm a fixer. I'm, I'm, I make it happen and I need other people. And so I make a point of surrounding myself So, at a moment's notice, if you need a helicopter to get you to a boat, to an apartment in the uh, Mediterranean, for example, I can do it in quite a few minutes. Kind of, this sounds like I something know. that's happened before. <laughs> no. Hold on. yeah. So, Steve, Game someone, asked me,
0: someone asked me one time. We have to but, hear we, that story. We were talking about what what you're like because Siobhan and Corey had not met you like I've met you in person and, and sure, had the, the, sure. the lovely experiences that I have had with you. Being um, so when I, a Megadeth concert. <laughs> so when I explained <laughs> to them what you're home. like, and I have to tell you, I think I'm right on the money. Have you seen the movie Wayne's World 2?
2: Of course.
0: Okay, so there is a roadie guy. And I don't mean now. I mean, like, like where your stock came from. That If everyone watches that movie, he's basically yeah. out of his mind. He talks about how he had to club someone to death with their own shoe to get <laughs> Ozzy to go on stage because he <laughs> wouldn't eat the green M&Ms. And then throws things at Chris Farley, uh, you know, to make sure that if they, they're ever on stage, that they can, you yeah. know, dodge things that cou- could kill them. And I feel like that you are the guy that goes in front of everyone and goes, listen. I'm going to fucking shoot you if you don't make this goddamn show happen. And we did that with Ozzy in 78 and Sabbath, they ruled. So let's do this now. Like, that's what? you, man. Like, you hang up upside down. You get blood transfusions with your boy, Keith. Like, I, I okay. know it.
2: Here, here, here we go. I mean, <laughs> um, if I off, think ben. of moments like that, with the, the, uh, what you're talking about, Soundgarden comes to mind. Okay. I was there to a manager at their heyday, right up to the day they it went wrong. I was there. It was in Honolulu. And I have to tell you this story because it doesn't sound possible, but it is. They were the most dysfunctional individuals I have ever worked with. And that's pretty difficult when you've worked with Megadeth. i knew early on there was going to be problems here because the manager of soundgarden was the wife of chris cornell already a recipe (laughs) for disaster (laughs) they were disintegrating their marriage Mm. the other three were getting on him saying yeah it's all because your wife is doing whatever so As I arrived, they come up with this wonderful idea that she said, "All right, fuck it, I'm not doing anything." The band said, "Well, we're not," and so everyone looked at me and said, "Well, you're in. You take the wheel." I go, "What? I just just showed up here. What? <laughs> I'm a tour manager." So anyway, it was a world tour. I had to take control. And we were touring with Metallica. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, and we were doing this Lollapalooza tour at the time. Ben Shepherd, this is my ah, Metallica Soundgarden
0: pass from the exact tour ah, that you're talking about. Just so yeah, yeah,
2: that was me, uh, Ben. And he, he'll admit this: he was mentally unwell at this time, and but it was untreated, and so. <clears throat> We're on tour of Metallica, and Ben, if you liked Black Hole Sun, he would hate you for it, yeah. and he would spit at you, and he would go out of his way to be um, a problem. He'd start kicking Metallica's lights and just being a general nuisance. And their security guys, a friend of mine called Tom Robb on Lollapalooza came up to me and said, Steve, if that guy does this once more, I don't care if you're on stage, he's going down. (laughs) Like They're talking about beating him up on stage. Um, And so I had to spend so much time trying to keep him, like pacified, the bass player, because he was not well. He was not well. And... It was a nonstop job and the next leg of the tour started in Europe and I fly in the day before and I'm at Heathrow and they're flying from Seattle in first class, they only stayed in Four Seasons and um, Ritz-Carlton's everything. The plane arrived and 20 minutes later, Ben Shepherd is walking through immigration towards me he has a white t-shirt, black leather type jeans, work boots with a bunch of duct tape around the f- foot part of it to keep the sole on. Okay, you, you can see the picture, yeah. and a little wash bag like like this. Now they all had assistants in those days, and I go, "Hey Ben," so I guess your assistant Scott's bringing your luggage. He goes. Luggage? What the fuck are you talking about? This is it. I, it. it? We're going to Europe. It's winter. Yes, no, 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 It's fine. He said, listen, I've got underwear socks on the rider. So <laughs> This um, sounds like the singer of my I'm band. I'll <laughs> <laughs> um, they got like soap and shit and uh, you no, know, Oh, okay. All right. So now we start this tour, right? And he kind of felt awkward to living in this luxury style in which we lived. So he would hang out with the support band who was staying in the motel flea pit or whatever it yes. was, and he'd crash <laughs> on their floor with these guys. We still have the Ritz-Carlton suite or whatever, and pay for it, of course. I mean... And he would depends on the that.
0: futon and the, the one stage below holiday Inn that Ernie Bach just yeah, 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 like right. the, the, the yeah. garden in or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. it is.
2: Yeah. And so that sort of thing would, would go on. And um, uh, in, we're in, in North Carolina or South Carolina. And um, the guitar player, Kim Thyle was of Indian descent, as you know, and he had a persecution complex that he was convinced that everybody was out to get him. So he's a paranoid yeah. schizophrenic. Correct. Is he actually a paranoid schizophrenic? He, he was, and he liked drinking. And right. we were at this hotel in the South and there was a wedding and it was a very white wedding. And they are obviously sung and a rock band. And we are going to the elevator, Kim and I, and these very drunk bridesmaids come up to him and go, oh, we want a picture. We want a picture. And he said, well, I don't want you to take my picture. And they're all drunk, and they took the picture. And he gently slapped her across the face. Now, we're in the South. He, he's basically Indian, as you can imagine, where this is going. And she went and told daddy there is now a lynch mob being prepared in this hotel to find not, not, him. Not
0: not with the guy from Dawkins, right? Not
2: George Lynch. You're, no, you're talking George about an lynch. actual lynch mob, no. like the good yeah. old fashioned American kind. Nothing to do with George Lynch. Okay. And they are looking to find him and teach him a lesson. I mean, this is getting pretty heavy. Was Ted Nugent leading all of them? He should have been. He wasn't. Uh, Now they can't find him. They call the police. The police show up. Kim is now terrified of what's going on here, because if they had found him, I mean, it was a, a kind of a darker guy hitting a virgin white woman. I mean, it was a problem. So he was hiding in my room. Um, The police (laughs) negotiated with me. I was like a a hostage situation, you know? And I was like negotiating. This is where the
0: neuro-linguistic programming
2: comes in. Correct. And I said, look, let me go and do my thing. And anyway, I got Kim to surrender. He was hiding in my closet in my room. So we had to go down to the police set. They handcuffed him. They walked him out. I mean, the, they, the whole wedding party was jeering at him, calling him like racial names, Jesus, you know, which, which the police didn't seem to worry about. And I spent the whole night sitting there. Well, you do there. have a
0: dude that just hit a chick. So, like, I mean, like I can understand <laughs> them not giving yeah. a flying fuck because like, but that's not appropriate behavior. Not
2: at all, but it was gentle. It was wrong, no question. I spent the whole night tr- on with lawyers because we were on stage the next day. And and right up until, like, the last second, I was able to get him out post bail, rush him to the stage, and bang, they went on. I mean, now that sort of thing was not unrare. I mean, this sort of thing would happen in Hawaii. Okay, it was the end of the tour. And there was more to come, but it was like Hawaii. Well, everyone's having a great time. We had dolphins in our hotel in the pool, and you could swim with them. It was luxury on a level like you know. So during the last but one song, it was called Slaves and Bulldozers. They're playing the song, and Ben Shepherd's like, he's play and he goes you know what? Fuck this. And he took his bass off and he went, whoa, he threw it up in the air and walked off and he goes, bong, 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 bong. and Kim Thiel goes, well, if he's leaving, fuck it, I'm leaving. And now you got Chris Cornell's out front singing and all you got is p- like what the what (laughs) so they walk off there's a whole fight now in the dressing room i'm outside there's a fight going on and chris and uh uh the drummer Matt, matt cameron cameron matt was never part of all the lunacy right they walk out and they do my wave with an acoustic guitar and drums And that was the ignominious, sad end of Soundgarden. It ended that night in Honolulu. Now, here's the kicker. The original thing was at the band hotel, band and crew all going to get together. And so we get out of there because we did that Elvis has left the building thing when we leave. And Ben Shepard goes to the bar to wait for... The crew. Now, let me tell you, everyone knew what just happened. There was no wonderful, (laughs) let's all get together, have a great time. Everyone realized they were out of a job. The band just broke up. There was no after-show party going down. Ben's sitting there by himself. He calls me. He goes, Steve, where the fuck is everybody? I go, Ben, listen, I mean, I don't think under the circumstances there's going to be much of a get-together tonight he goes really where are they i said well they're in the sheraton waikiki beach he said um, i haven't got any money can you loan me some money Loan? <laughs> he's in the bank i'm gonna go over i need a taxi so i give him the money he goes to the hotel all the crew are in the sheraton bar and um, he walks in and says hey you guys are all a bunch of and he used the C word. And then he told the cab driver to wait. And then he walked right out, got back in the taxi, and went right across Hawaii to the other end to his hotel. True story. I mean, nuts. And that's the type of thing I would have to deal with. I mean <laughs> Is that Benjamin? Oh if we learn
0: nothing from Wayne's World One, is that Benjamin is no one's friend.
2: Yeah, yes. It, it, but that's just one of many things like that can that i tell you
0: happen. why we loved having paul on the show and i want you to understand this too it's we had oh, david Averziz uh, from pearl jam and a guy like you people are too lazy to write memoirs <laughs> this can be your memoir you could come on any time and we will <laughs> sit here and we will let you speak because i'm going to tell you my mom's going to call me this week and be like did that really happen with Megadeth? death was that why you were crying you know like she'll call me she really she really will first off she's totally horrified but by everything i've said on the show but it's amazing because you have a, a a a memory and then it's uh, I find a lot of people in your situation have these insane memories where you're like it was a Tuesday it was 64 degrees Uh mm-hmm. d- Vince Neil yeah I, I, I don't think he had shaved that day he was pissed off because he didn't get the, the 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 cigarettes he wanted they weren't at the store like you just know these details no. and you can and you can just and, and Paul's even crazier in the sense with his chronology because he's like it was 6 minutes and 14 seconds and 35 and that's when Tyler took a breath and you're like whoa and he literally could, when he did the show he like stopped us he's like wait a minute that didn't happen yet and like yeah. fixed his time <laughs> thing oh. so that the movie was proper i'm like dude this can be like pulp fiction you could start with bruce willis and end up with you know with uma thurman it's fine
1: no this is so great though yeah. because people have this co- like concept of what managers or tour managers do and it's always so funny to hear what you actually spend most of your time doing which is handling these getting cocaine pers- yeah handling yeah. these insane personalities yeah. and and yeah. you know well I, I, I wanted to say something and,
0: from the last show, because I found a backstage pass from around the time that oh, you were yeah. with Motley Crue. Yeah, now, yeah, if you look yeah. at this, it's the third um, leg tour. And as everyone can yeah. see, people who can't yeah. see, it's a giant dick um, sticking out yeah. of the Motley Crue pants. But <laughs> did you see like, you know, girls that had like, their parents in the audience like wearing these? And, and, and did their parents not know what was about to happen with Tommy Lee? With his love I, gun?
2: I, I don't know, but it's reminded me. Uh, I was very friendly with the Def Leppard guys. And they actually, during Pyromania had a pass. Yeah, Fluff's the Fluff's part on your stage where they could walk during the show. They had like 30 yeah. naked girls that would feed Wait, them
3: beer. The yeah. Story right? <laughs> yeah. I love right, when the, Ben tells wrong. stories about it things made he made he so in. It was me so excited.
2: It says, <laughs> I gave head to get this pass. <laughs> I oh, swear I'm going to go. find that.
0: I'm going to find it. It's probably made by you, John. You probably
2: Otto. will. I'm sure you'll have it by next <clears throat> week. And, and, but, you know, on the other side, I got, got to work with some of my heroes, like, uh, uh, like the Beatles. You see, I'm going to tell you a quick thing right now, which is crazy to me. I worked for a really great British musician called Dave Edmonds. Amazing guitar player. I'm sure you know of him, Benny. Oh, Dave I'm Edmonds. very well aware. Okay, I was his right-hand man, and Dave was neighbors with George Harrison, and Dave had a big gold Rolls-Royce, and he said to me, hey, want to go for dinner with George? i like, no, I'm busy. Uh, yeah. And so in the Rolls-Royce, go to Friar Park, which is the album that's on All Things Must Pass, that we're sitting in the garden, this incredible, like, castle-type thing, right, Medi- uh, medieval. Medieval. And it's a big, huge gate with metal across it, like a castle and a knocker and you knock on the door and it opens and there's a beetle looking at you. I mean, (laughs) mean, uh, uh, I'm dribbling. Right. And so we go in and we're having dinner and George Harrison's going, uh, carrots, peas. I "I I can't process this at all. Um, and then joints are being passed around, and he says, "Hey, Steve, do you play?" I go, uh, "Yeah." Well, let's go up to the studio and have a play. Now, at that time, Carl Perkins just showed up. Right, nobody. I was <laughs> absolutely no, nobody. Guys, I was I was working on a Carl Perkins TV show, which had George Harrison, Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr, and I was running the whole thing. Right, so anyway, <laughs> he showed. Right. Yeah. So I met Roger go, Daltrey.
0: Why wasn't he there? Why wasn't the who there?
2: He, he, listen, let me before I forget it. We go into the studio, full recording studio, on the wall, every one of his Beatle guitars hanging right there. You've seen them, you've known them in all the years. There they are. And I'm just looking at this. And then he said, Oh, hold on a minute, Steve i got something he might be interested in. Walks out, comes back, Sergeant Pepper suit on a hanger. I'm going, what? I mean, I'm going to wake up in my apartment because I'm dreaming right now. (laughs) I'm dreaming. So then he said, okay, um, pick a guitar and let's do something. And Carl Perkins, George Harrison, and myself did Honey Don't. From the second record. And I have the picture (laughs) on my wall out there because his wife, George Hansel, took the picture and then the next day wrote me a letter on Friar Park headed paper saying, Dear Steve, George and I would like to thank you so much for coming over. And George had such a great time because George, uh, John Lennon had died. So he was pretty much a hermit during this period. And they thanked me for coming for dinner, oh my God,
1: that's class still, wow. would
2: you say that, yeah. that made you a honeydew? Uh, I absolutely
0: yeah um, and I'm blown and, boy, I'm blown away by that. like I'm literally just in complete ah. Uh, of that you know because it's always funny to hear because you know everyone we talk to it's like they have a different hero it's you know it's, you know you ca- talk to a guy like shannon larkin and he looks at someone like aerosmith as the, the holiest yeah. and obviously you know aerosmith is a holy band but then you go and you talk to a you know a guy in aerosmith and they'll be like the beatles you know and, and it's just amazing to hear these different levels so hearing your story like if you would offered me carrots if you would offered me peas if you had said hey man Come upstairs and play my Rickenbacker, Bocker, this drum set. I would
2: have gone out of my mind. I can't well, I even fathom. I, I got the picture though. That's the really amazing thing. And and like a little bit later, I was at Air Studios in London with George Martin and Paul. Another McCartney. nobody. Yeah. It just, he's he's the guy the, can we explain that to people? Cause again, do you know who
0: George Martin is, Siobhan? And I'm not trying to pick on you. I just want to yeah. make sure we understand.
2: I mean, I don't know a lot about him, no. He basically produced every one of the Beatles albums that i He's the fifth Beatle. He's the fifth, said, knew, fifth. He's yeah. The fifth yeah. Beatle. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, so we're up at air with Paul McCartney What's... and Linda McCartney was. And this joke happened, and I swear to God, this is the truth. It was told to me by Linda McCartney. So she's saying to everybody, oh, tea and biscuits for everybody? You know, she's playing like Housewife, and I'm sitting there. and said, yes, please, that'll be great. She goes, hey, guys, (laughs) this is the truth. She says, what do you call a dog with wings? I go, I don't know, Linda McCartney. Swear to God, she told me that joke. (laughs) You can't laugh at yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just made me love her so much more. Because Live and Let Die, what a song.
2: Anyway, true story. Again, I'll never forget that, you know. <laughs> but um uh, and then you anyway, know, there's more, there's more, there's lots. It's been a wonderful life so far, Benny. I gotta tell you. What what's what's a day in the life look like
3: for you now?
2: Obviously, the last year. Is that so a pun intended, gonna, or is that just a
0: natural thing? A day in the life? Good.
2: Go
3: ahead. Uh, so the uh, <laughs> the past year or so has obviously been a little yeah disruptive in, in your industry. But you know prior prior to that, you know obviously a, a, a lot less cocaine for your artists and everything. But you're still a fixer, I assume. What kind of things oh, do you yeah. deal with? What are you dealing with you.
2: nowadays? Okay, w- when it uh, for Godsmack, for example, Godsmack is lots of trucks, lots of buses, but it's primarily meat and potatoes stuff. You know, and it's like most things, there's a pyramid uh, from the touring end. I'm at the top, if you like, and then there's levels all the way down. Now, I don't know how these guys do what they do, but I know guys that do that. And I coordinate the whole thing so it runs. And so, it, but that's God's make. It's very straightforward meat and potatoes. Now, when you're dealing with the Hollywood vampires, <laughs> that... Is a whole yeah. different ballgame, and it is not for the faint of heart.
1: <laughs> How so? Why? Well,
2: do you I'll know who the Hollywood you. vampires are, Shimon?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Okay.
0: Okay. So, I for our know. listeners sure. that may not know, like my mom, it's it's yeah. Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry. So yeah. those guys well, the are kind star of stars.
2: Yeah. So star power. You have three principles, and the three principles must <laughs> have no favoritism. They all have to have exactly the same suites and it's private jets. Okay. And it's um, on a level of detail, unlike any other tour. for example, a six week tour of Europe with Johnny Depp. We never went through the front door of one hotel. It's all Elvis. We uh, blacked out vans, the jets on the tarmac in a private airfield, off the jet, into the van. We even had a tour bus whose only job was to meet the jet, pick them up, drop them at the hotel and drive to the next country full-blown tour bus. That's its job. Okay. (laughs) So when we get there, security in the street, security down below, out of the van, fans there all the time. We go through all the corridors, the kitchens, into the service elevators, up into the floor. The, The rooms have to be checked. I like to get there first to make sure everything's right all the things, the amenities, the flowers, the candle, whatever they want. What's, all... what's
0: Johnny Depp's thing? Does he have, does he, is he a V8 guy? Like what's...
2: He's yeah. a wine. 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 What Very kind simple. of wine does he
0: drink? Is he, a, is he like high a box end.
2: wine guy? High end. <laughs> no, high end. Uh... Well, Ernie gave him three bottles as a gift, and I think they were maybe 20 plus thousand a bottle, and they drank two of them right in front of him. <laughs>
0: oh, I, listen, Ernie loves. Oh I hate God. the taste of wine, and I can't tell you how many times he's given me wine. He's like this is like, like what best wine at the factory, and I'm just like, I drank it's half of juice. it, and I feel like yeah. it's make, yeah, it's making my face flush, and I'm like, I should go antiquing.
2: Yeah, yeah I, prefer, I prefer root beer. Anyway, so so then um, everything, security outside the rooms, it all has to be coordinated, and moving these people. Is It's not just being in the lobby. It's not. The whole thing is is micromanaged.
1: Has there ever been like a scary set? Because this to me, I mean, it sounds glamorous, but also sounds very stressful, like having to live uh, like that. Has there ever been like a a scary like security situation or something where people have felt compromised because of these
2: things? Yes. We uh, sometimes there's a bomb threat, which are all nothing. But what you have to take them seriously and then dogs have to come in and, and you, you have to take them seriously. But um, no, it, it's not glamorous, actually. It's hard work to, to dot the I's and cross the T's. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, when it, it happens, the lights go down and the roar, it's wonderful. I mean, it really is. Mm. And here's the thing for me, and, and, and I, I'm sure you can identify with this. Touring and doing what I do, is like you travel 300 miles to a place. And then when you get to the place, you dig a great big hole in this place. And then you stand around the hole till about midnight. And at midnight, (laughs) you fill the hole in so you can't tell there was ever a hole. And then you go into whatever your mode of transport is to another place and do it again. And the thing is, for a guy like me, I like that because I like to get rid of everything and start again it's the same thing, but new Are people, there any dead bodies in those
0: holes that we should be aware of, Steve?
2: Occasionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: that is the best description of touring I've ever heard, though, because it really, after many dates, it does feel like that. You're that's just like, like, like- It is. It's like if Charles
2: over, Bukowski
0: had, like, on touring. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, yeah no, it, seriously, but, Steve,
0: that's, like, the fun- That's one of the best things ever. I hope, Corey, please take a note. You probably already did, because he's smart. He did. That's yeah, the I greatest quote ever. Literally. Like, that's just such a metaphor- that, like, first off, I don't get it because I don't tour and nobody cares yeah. about my music, and I don't dig. So <laughs> not, do nothing do. about that relates to me. But I think as far as understanding what music is like and knowing from someone that looks through the glass yeah. at the at the cheetahs, someday um, we'll but, dig holes. Yeah, with Gen Pop, <laughs> like I'm in the Gen Pop. Um, but you know, I can see. I lived through Siobhan, and I got to tell you, man, that was literally eloquent and 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 so on so many levels, literally, pun intended, on so many levels because people don't realize, imagine seeing a band like Bon Jovi, okay? You run miles of cable. Miles Ah! of cable. And back then, they didn't have LED lights. They used par cans, where people exploded and died and got electrocuted, and it literally burned off the top of your fucking head. So a band like Queen... They like, literally used more than a city worth of power for that fucking stupid light show they had in the 80s that moved back. The and forth guys sitting up can, in the
2: truss? Which I could,
0: yeah, which I could do now going to Spencer Guess with LEDs that are nice and temperate. So it's it's yeah. it's very interesting to hear how you talk about that because we live... And, I, and the only reason that I recap it the way that I do is because a lot of people that listen, they don't know. I mean, you're giving me a lot of credit on stuff and I appreciate you not... Telling me I don't know things that I shouldn't know, but like that I'm also like a nerd uh, about. But a lot of the people that listen, they're learning from you and and they're going to now listen and look up all these things. And I am so happy that you're able to explain it in a way where again, you know, and I'm going to call out my mom. She's going to be like, that was such a tangible and understandable metaphor. And it was eloquent. It was articulate. And you can understand why he's overseas. And why doesn't, why don't people like that, speak on television here, you know, oh. and it's just, it, and it's, it's wonderful. I'm but glad the you're my friend. Never,
1: they never get credit. All, all these people that work behind the scenes, it's like an incredible. We are the machine. gatekeepers.
2: We are the gatekeepers and people like myself and who do, we basically control the traffic and it's a very powerful position. But the strange thing is at the end of the day, if the person doesn't want to do what you say, then it's, well, hey, okay. It's your, It's up to you. It's like if you're the head of Hewlett Packard, you don't have a guy below you who tells you what to do. You do as you're told. But in this job, it's kind of different. You know what I mean? You tell them, but if they don't like you, well, okay. That's yeah. your prerogative. <clears throat> but it's... um. It, to me, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I, I really do love it. I mean, there's been times I too to managed a band called um, Alter Bridge and Creed. You remember those guys? Yeah,
1: sure, yeah. of course.
2: Yeah. Remember, only
0: like, you know, and, what, 30 million <laughs> records or something sold? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And Miles
0: um, Kennedy, Mark Tremonti. And Miles sings now for Slash, and I will go on record as saying that I think Miles Kennedy, who is also, uh, ironically, in the movie Rockstar, at the guy at the end, um, is... So is Michael Starr. Yeah. Yep, and it's Zach Wilde yes, playing. Is. Like, all, yes. But the point is, uh, it's just amazing, his voice. Like You worked with Chris Cornell. So like, I got to ask you this, and it's not even well, like I'm saying we, one's better than was, the other, but what's it like to work with, this, life, with, with, with guys? There was a story already happening yeah, before you interrupted it, Ben. about
1: to talk about Alter Bridge and Creed, Ben. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, um, we were doing a tour of Europe, and um, in the summer... You know, there's all these festivals, and the hardest thing is for agents is to connect the dots in between the money-making festivals. It's really difficult because every other band is doing the same thing. They're trying to, you know, to pay the bills. And so uh, we had a show in Clermont-Ferrat, which is a place in France. There must have been 15 people (laughs) that showed up for this (laughs) concert. And... This is the visual that I have. After the show, the drama, you know, stood up and he threw his sticks into the audience as he does. And I watched them go, donk, <laughs> donk, <laughs> donk. Didn't hit a damn person. I mean, I, just, yeah. I mean, really, I'll never forget that. And <laughs> Mark Tramonti had a brother who was on that tour and he said, yeah, but did you see that guy in the front? He really had a great time. Did you see him? <laughs> it's all that matters, right? right. <laughs> uh,
0: anyway. I, I like the fact that you have no fear calling it as it is and that you're very transparent about it. So I'm going to get back to my idea that I had while interjecting on, you, uh, your idea rudely. You worked oh. with Chris Cornell. Yes. Who I I will go on record as saying... He he's up there with a Freddie Mercury or a Ronnie James Dio, yeah. you know. Like he's in the same ballpark. Yeah. Now Miles Kennedy's still living, so it's hard to say. You know, in the holy legendary way, you know, as someone who's passed us, you know, where people immediately go, "Oh, well, they were so great." But as far as a guy that's alive, Miles Kennedy is literally one of the most insane vocalists Wild I've bird. ever seen. And, of course, he goes and fills in for Axl Rose because, you know, during that whole Guns and Roses hoopla, and they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I think is just a Rock and Roll Hall of Shame piece of shit, total fake bullshit facade, like
2: hey, stupid raping <laughs> of the music industry.
0: But Miles Kennedy saved the fucking day because he can sing like a motherfucker. and It doesn't matter if Axl Rose is there if Miles Kennedy's on stage or Todd Kearns, the bass player from Slash, who Bring also it. sings like that. Uh, what's it like
2: working with guys like that? What's well, it? Li- okay. Do you sit and pinch yourself? Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you the story of how he got the gig with Led Zeppelin. All right, this is a good one. On tour in Europe with Alter Bridge, the phone rings. Jason Bonham, looking for Miles. Hold on, Miles. Jason Bonham's on the phone. Oh, Jason says we got this thing. Need you to come to London. We all knew what it was. Miles and I were like kids in a candy store. My job was to find the lyrics for all these Led Zeppelin songs. I was so excited. It wasn't even me doing it. It was for, We were getting Led Zeppelin songs. And Miles, I got his flight, and I worked it all out for him, and he flew to London. He told me the whole story. He gets off the plane in London. And there's one of the assistants of Led Zeppelin there meets him and he takes him to the studio in Chelsea and he walks in and there's the three of them is Jason, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones. I, I, I don't know how he didn't shit himself, but, but he, <laughs> he no, I mean, just think of the pressure and, yeah. and he walks in and they go, okay, Uh, Right, let's start. And the next thing that happens, goes down, down, good times, bad times. And then it just started. They just started going through all the songs. I don't know how he pulled it off because... I would have been petrified. I can shit. tell you, he's
0: one of the greatest performers of all time. Yes. And he sings yeah. better than any motherfucker. Yes. And in fact, I would argue that when all of this is over and that we're just a footnote <laughs> in the legacy of time, um, that he will be tantamount to Robert Plant. I think he's on that level. So as far as an all around singer, musician, dude that plays with slash and Mark Tremonti that shows up everywhere. And the fact that he's humble, good-looking and owns it owns it but he's like super humble like to the point where it's disconcerting i think i met him backstage one time and i said something snarky like thinking he was gonna find it funny and he just like took the wind out of my sails by being so polite and gentle that i was just like well then all right well have have a nice night i'm glad thank you thank you for this wonderful experience and i'm gonna go
2: sit my head in shame now he's never i've never seen him angry upset with anybody uh, he's the sweetest human being. His wife is wonderful. He lives in Spokane. And um, to him, it's his you wife. You give and, us his phone number. We're going
0: to call him. <laughs>
2: Corey, bleep it gonna, out.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I know you do. He, he, he's a wonderful guy. And the song Blackbird, which I'm sure you know, You know the song Blackbird, you guys? Uh, I sang it with Nuno when
0: I was at Alter Bridge, and it's one of the greatest moments of my life because I'm in love with Nuno Betancourt. So the fact that I got to look at him in the eye and sing Blackbird as Miles (laughs) is singing on stage, it was a moment that I'll never forget. He didn't really look me in the eyes, he kind of looked me in the slits. (laughs) Well,
2: he might have been looking behind In the last (laughs) verse where he changes and he goes up an octave, sick. Absolutely. Sick. Yeah,
1: it's basically like <laughs> when Eddie Van
0: Halen used to walk on stage and play "Eruption," except with your oh. voice.
2: Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, I I did hundreds of shows with those guys, um, and with then Creed too. You know, I will tell you a funny story with Creed in Indonesia, which because you know there was a lot of talk about the Scott Stapp Mark Tremonti relationship. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I do. So everywhere Scott staff goes his wife and his like whole family would come with him and we're in Jakarta now in Indonesia and we're waiting to do a live press conference and there must have been a hundred like press people there with TV cameras and a long table and we're sitting in the green room waiting and a little argument starts between Mark and Scott and it escalates It started about publishing, I believe. And they're both now chest out. They're both like right next to each other. Their wives going, come on, come on. You know, please come on. And then you hear over the PA, would you please welcome Creed? <laughs> oh, my. Uh, uh, and and well, it gets better. So <laughs> you know, this thing's about to get physical, right? And then so they have to walk out and there's this long table with their names and they sit down and somebody in the Indonesian speak to ask them to answer, you know, their question and they have a translator. Guy puts his hand up. First question. Vachamanti. Okay. This question's about altar bridge. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> it was a creed. Oh, my God. I mean, it was it, right up. It couldn't have been worse. It was a great moment, though. I mean, I'm gonna guess is this is when
0: Creed got back together <laughs> yes, after yes, the, the height yes, of their yes. stadium like yes. existence. Okay, so so people can get some background because I remember this um, Creed, as everyone knows, with arms wide open yeah, was literally sure. like the biggest. I mean, that's like a, they're more than words. Um, and in fact, I actually cringed a little bit when I, a, a friend of a friend of a friend was backstage and asked Mark Tremonti why he didn't play that on stage anymore uh, and would he play it now? And I saw like, a little bit of like his life get sucked out of his eyes because it was one of those intermediary points where it wasn't a good time to talk about it. Um, but Creed was the biggest band in the world, like a Bon Jovi. Like, they had their moment where like, there was nothing. They were Michael Jackson. They were fucking huge. But oh, when yeah. they got back... It was like kind of like, you know, when Rome started burning for the music industry, like really yeah, like started burning and, and all these day. legacy acts that were able just to come back with, ver- you know, and everyone knew it would work. I think this was the first time I ever saw, like you said, the, you know, the drummer threw out his drumsticks to nobody. Well, you got to think about it. You're going from playing Bon Jovi side shows to literally throwing your drumsticks to nobody to going to a press conference to hear about your guitar player's side band.
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it it couldn't have been worse. I mean, (laughs) but um, that tour was ill-conceived. It was done purely for money, and the money wasn't there because all of the deals, and Irving Azov was involved, automatically reduced before it began, once the ticket sales came in. Mm. And so it was an uphill slog for Paul and I. I mean, uh, Paul and I put it all together. What's it, it feel was, like when you're in that side? When you're on the
0: side, because you're part of so many successes, where it's like you know, you're you're, you're yeah. telling us about the Hollywood vampires. I mean, and I spoke mm. to. I just saw Paul. I love that guy. I you know, it was his Jack, his son's birthday. So happy birthday, yeah. Jack! And for yeah. everyone
1: listening too, we should mention that we interviewed Paul. So you should go. Yeah, no,
0: to oh no, I watch. You, got,
1: you got yeah. You got to go watch. You, you got to go watch Paul. Paul but you
0: Paul was telling Geary. me that it takes a solid year. Just to get like a a, a few months, if that, or a few even weeks of Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry. Because, you know, everyone wants Johnny Depp, first off, to do a movie. Because, I mean, literally, as far as they're concerned, he's just throwing away money by playing music. You know what I mean? Because, like, even when you're making crazy money doing music, when you're someone as big as that, they're like, but you could make Pirates of the Caribbean 17. No, you can't. Disney hates you, but that's fine. Because he's Johnny Depp and he can do whatever he
2: wants. He is a sweetheart man. He really is. Um, I I've never seen him angry, and that's the truth. I've never. Last time we saw each other, he gives you a hug and a kiss on the cheek. He he is a sweet man, no question. Mm -hmm. And whatever they say, he told me, "I will not have my life defined by the outcome of that court case." And good for him. And nor should he. That's fantastic. Go to bat for him. Twenty-four-seven, great That's guy. Great, yeah.
3: Um, yeah. I want to. I want to pivot sure. a little bit on this, sure. um, just because I feel like we have this unique opportunity to to dive into your mind and and your experience. Sure. I'm wondering if you have any um, advice or experience because of your area of expertise. You know, I, and I, I caught this when you mentioned. You know, you you probably have to book a lot of flights. It's part of part oh, of yeah. the gig, right? Yeah, yeah. Are there things? You know that that most people don't know that you might have insight into as far as booking things travel hotels um, okay. like what 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 do, what do our listeners what can they learn from you as someone okay. who does has done that for decades
2: right here's here's the most important thing it's about relationships no question and for me I like to work with the same people day in and day out it's not about Can you do it $10 cheaper? No, it's about, and please let's not forget you're dealing with the person on the other end. It's not the truck or the bus. It's the person. It's a human business. And I spend a lot of my time trying to create the relationship. And that's so important. And The most important thing is you have to go out of your way to keep that green because eventually the shit's going to hit the fan. And if you don't do that, they're not going to go the extra mile. And I'm talking about that with the road crew. Always make yourself available. Always listen. Always try to help because when you need them to do, like, go 36 hours without sleeping... They're not going to do it for you if you're a dick. <laughs> right. And, and that's the truth. I think this is and something I'm, that our,
1: our gen- not to interrupt you, but I think our generation has no. lost this a bit because so much is done. It's like an online marketplace. You do everything on the internet. You're not interacting with people. And I noticed this with my mom who runs a business. She's got a person for everything at every place that is a vendor of hers or a radio station or a TV station. She's got her person that they've got a long-term relationship with. And they're always, sure. like you said, constantly helping each other out. So it's mm. really good advice because it's, I think a lot of that vital. is lost now.
2: It's vital, actually. Um, and I I always try to get to know who I'm working with and, and remember their birthdays or just, I mean, call them up when you don't want anything, you know, because... Don't be that guy. Only call when you want something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I
2: sometimes say, "Hey, I'm calling you, and you know what? I don't want anything." (laughs) I (laughs) I tell them that because it's funny, (laughs) but it's true. It's 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 really true. So, you know, um, you know the expression: treat people the way you like to be treated yourself. It's really important because. Running a band and touring, it's a service industry. It's a service. And you you need other people to make you look good, if you like. You need them. And if you don't treat them right, they won't work right. It, it's that simple, you know? So right. that's the, the, the advice I would give anybody that's trying to do this is – if you do the right thing, by and large, the right thing will happen.
1: What by about advice large. maybe for someone that's interested in doing the type of work that you do or getting involved? I know for you, a lot of it was serendipity and you know, yeah. a different time, but um if someone were interested in doing what you do, how, like what does it look like now in this I, day and age to get? I, I can it? tell you
2: it's how it looked then. Uh, there is no immediate answer it, it it's as weird as this may sound, it's a question of being in the right place at the right time. And I can't tell you this is the way Mm -hmm. because I don't, people say to me often, Hey, how did you get into this? And I go, I don't really know.
3: Well, you get off that subway stop or whatever. Well,
2: well, yeah, but you can't tell them that. They think you're nuts. You know? (laughs) I mean, uh, it's it's just uh, certain things have to jive, and there's a crossroads. And you either go down one way or you go the other way. I mean- Um, well you certainly have a a magnetism
0: that's like very apparent that I feel like with a lot of the people we talk to there's a a charisma about them like you meet a guy like Paul Geary who's your partner in crime and like he makes you feel like the only girl in the world. Like within five seconds of being in the room, he could be in the room with like juggling thirty-seven people. Rock stars isn't that, but somehow he's able to make you feel like you're the only girl in the in the in the world. Yeah. And that's something about you know again what you guys do that's so important is being able to handle a thousand people. Do this, do that. You don't even know how the fucking flux capacitor works, but you got to get back to nineteen fifty-five and save the fucking deck. Like that's what you got to do. And I love the way that you talk about it and i love and i love the dichotomy between someone like you and paul because paul and i go back, you know, two decades and i've he's he tells me things but he's again reserved in the sense that like if it were me i'd be like yo i was at george harrison's house And, like, let me just fucking tell you, You 100% would.
1: No, I would. I would.
0: Dude, I'm not above it at all. And it's amazing that he can, like, withhold information. Like, I knew him for over a decade before he told me he, like, went out with moon unit Zappa. And that, like, Frank Zappa, like, hung out with him for a moment. And then he was sitting with the girl from the Beverly Hillbillies, like, you know, waiting for (laughs) his date. And I'm like, you omitted that one? Like, for (laughs) years. And he still has things that I don't know. But you... You're, 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 I'm not going to say you have the hubris that I do because I, I would be insulting because you're British. You're way oh. above my culture level beyond that. That would be condescending and insulting. But you, your candor, I think is that, that's the word I would use, your candor uh-huh. is very illuminating and the transparency for which you speak. And I say that in a very nice way because it, it, it's easy to understand as a plebe as someone in gen pop to, to understand the picture that you're painting versus saying well you know what happens in the 80s stays with the cocaine dealers you know like like that's what we get a lot and you're just like no
2: man that's it's true that's what happened I'll and and tell you, you something i and now we using the word manipulation here i learned very early on for example if i'm in america at an airport if i say with my best english accent Excuse me, I wonder if you could help me. It's like, oh yes, what, what, what can I do? Or hey lady, you want to go, you know, that that doesn't work so well. And and I've used that. I'm not I'm honest in telling you that. I do use that because, like I said earlier, I need you to do something for me so I can get what I need done.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: that needs people to do what i want i mean but not put so bluntly (laughs) you know you
0: you reiterate a very important point we learned with richard shaw of cradle of filth and if you have not seen the episodes with richard shaw is that he's first off such a lovely human being but that everything that he says sounds even lovelier in an english accent and we said that he's our he's our british ambassador uh, but Steve, I would like to say that if you're if you're willing to take on the moniker as well, that uh, we we love people that speak with
2: a British accent because you, you just immediately sound yeah, smarter than everything. You lend credibility
3: to us, right? It's, it's sure. amazing. Well,
2: well, thank you, but uh, please know that it isn't actually true. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a smokescreen. I mean, many people in America feel I'm related to to the monarchy, but it, I'm not. But the English accent, luckily goes a long way it really <laughs> does it really does I thought you are about mm. to start speaking all southern like hey you know I'm just
0: fucking with all you guys
2: just <laughs> right, kidding no. like and by the British. way put
0: your tray tables in the upright and
2: locked position this is also a voice <laughs> that
0: sounds pleasant it's just a different one
2: well you know even on British Airways when you hear the the um, the, the staff the way they speak to you is is different it's, it's just so polite and and um, The news, watching the news on TV. It's not two guys having a conversation about the news. The guy says, good evening. This is the BBC. And you go, whatever he says, I'm going to believe it, because that sounds right. It's
0: that's how I you feel know. about Bruce Dickinson. Cause I know he jousts and he flies his own plane. So when he comes on stage play. and he says, Scream for me, Boston, I always scream.
1: <laughs> but there is a certain level of etiquette the way that British people talk. I know because my okay. mom's British, it yeah. And it, it, yeah, it's just something about like maybe the way everyone is raised or the education system, but it definitely yeah. A different yeah. level of treating people for 100%, 100%. sure. Hundred percent,
2: a hundred percent. I can't tell you how much fun this has been. I'm so oh, glad it so you it's been, our,
3: it's been our treat, yeah. and and Incredible. so before before we wrap up, um, you know uh, we. We actually, we I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but you were um, you do work with Paul Geary, uh, who yes. has been a previous guest, a friend of the show, and yeah. you guys have recently uh, merged merged with, with our shelter music shelter Group.
2: music. Um, I can send you the press release that was printed in Variety magazine, Benny. I send I'll send it to all of you, um, or you could just it, tell us about it right now because I'm a yeah, guitar. Po- I don't I can't listeners. read
0: do you oh, think i actually read it, literally i told i told alex skolnick to send me his book okay. to sign it to me made fun of siobhan for reading it and she's like you're not gonna read it. i'm like i will have i'll read send it. it as a comic
2: for you <laughs> please happen? do not have
0: have some have one of paul's friends like have his sister fran come to my house and read it for me to me and uh, i'll be fine
2: with pictures yeah with pictures, right? yeah, with, with
1: pictures <laughs> yeah
2: and have her like lick her finger she's like turns the page please All right. I will send it to you guys because it's all in there and it talks about Fleetwood Mac and ZZ Top and everything else that we're involved with now. But yeah, I'll do that right after this. But it's been (laughs) a real pleasure. It really has. Fleetwood Mac and ZZ Top. (laughs) You're working with Fleetwood Mac and ZZ
0: Top right now? Yeah. And uh, Crowded House. That's amazing. See that's the thing that I love about you guys. It's just, it's just, it's just let's just drop legends.
3: Yeah, and or. and just real quick, you know, we're wrapping up. But but you know, in today's climate, right now, you know, the world is weird. Um, yeah. How 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 are you dealing with that in your end of the industry?
2: Well, um, I tell you, I'll try and be brief. Um, take your time. <laughs> Honestly, take okay. your time.
0: We can make this a longer okay, episode because okay. this is genuinely well, the first time. Other than maybe Polly Calafiore going on a giant rant about how energy is, you just gotta do it and be a lion. I don't right. think I've ever felt so inspired by a guest <laughs> like just immediately. Sometimes it has to sit in, and I have to listen to it a few times before I realize the brilliance. All right,
1: well, let listen to him talk instead. All right, just cut me
2: off. Just turn off my mic and fix your mic you do that. By the way. <laughs> um, so look, um, Paul and I knew that uh, in November of um, 19, that was the last is in Mexico City. And we knew that that's when Godsmack was finishing touring. And the next big run would be uh, in 2020. And it was April on. And we knew that we would have to sort of financially float the boat until the next Money came in, you know, so we did what we had to do to pay for all the employees and because and, we knew it was coming. And at that time, Carl Stubner, who's the chairman of Shelter, called us and said, Guys, how would you like to come in on this big merger? So we had lunch and we said, Well, we We've got all this done, and what's the point? I mean, thank you. We're, we're very grateful that you asked, but, you know, we're good. Thank you. Then COVID started to rear its ugly head, and we go, oh, oh wait a minute. That April where the, all the money's coming isn't coming now, and we're in for a big amount personally. And just as we're thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do here? The phone rang. It was Carl. And he goes, Because when you put in what we have to the deal that they're putting together, it is a whole different complexion to the overall picture. And so he came back and asked us again. And this time we said yes in about a <laughs> nanosecond. <laughs> that way, that was lucky. I mean, wow. Yeah. yeah. How and, often does that um, happen? It doesn't. I mean, because we were looking at, you know, writing massive checks, which we had to do anyway. But there was a silver lining. And so, you know, we we were lucky. I mean, we were basically I insulated against the, the hellishness that just happened. So it was just pure luck. So it's and like, like the Rolling Stone that.
0: song. Give me shelter. Exactly like that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and, uh, and what's on? So what's on the horizon? What are you working on right okay, now? Okay, I can tell you.
2: Um, we we had to um, move the vampires from twenty to twenty one. We were successful in doing that, except COVID had other ideas. We lost that. Godsmack um, has started. Everything starts next year in April for us. Godsmack's making a new record. We've already started booking the whole tour. of a new track in January of twenty-two album. You know, we, don't forget they came off four number ones of that last album. Oh no, yeah, no, yeah, no! no they, they did forget. Shannon yes. Larkin forgot
0: <laughs> every single one of them in a row. He's like, oh, we had a number one. Wait a minute, then we had another number uh, one idea. Yeah, see, this, and then hold on, <laughs> then we got another. <laughs> wait, this, we this, had this, four yeah. number ones. Oh wow, that's cool. I think that's the most we've ever had. <laughs>
2: Drama. Isn't that great to live in that world? It must be great. (laughs) Um, And so um, that whole we're booking everything with them. Uh, It's really, it's already started. The vampires will start in January uh, of next year. Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Dubai, South Africa, and South America. So we're already going to have a blockbuster 22, Uh, Assuming there's no more COVID type disasters. So, this is a
0: giant light at the end of the tunnel, is what you're saying. Yes.
2: Yeah. It's uh, so bright. I can hardly see. I mean, it's like crazy. (laughs) Japan yelling, Johnny, Johnny. Uh, Yeah, they do. We played there uh, uh, two years ago on a private for Asai Beer. It was insane. Crazy. That's a, that brings
0: up a good point. Like because you have people like Joe Perry or Alice Cooper yeah, or Johnny Depp. Yeah. Do you have like dignitaries from countries go? Like I need to meet them or my daughter, oh, sure, sure. daughter. So like who have you? Can we can we find out? Like who have you met that's like absolutely Like you would never think you were do because we talked to Rodolfo Zuniga, who's a friend yeah, of like uh, uh, of Siobhan, and because he plays with Julio Iglesias, who by the way, like I think he might be tantamount to Johnny Depp as far as he's like kiss the ring. Motherfucker, oh, like that yeah. guy. That well, guy's a Spanish fucking Marlon Brando. No, but I'm Spanish. saying they went to the goddamn Kremlin. And you're thinking to yourself, who goes inside the No one goes inside the Kremlin. Fucking
2: Julio goes inside the Kremlin yeah. by the schoolyard. Well, we were in Russia, in Moscow, and uh, they actually went to Red Square and to, to the tomb of Lenin. And th- there's a lot, of, a lot of perks with a guy like that.
0: You is there a, a picture of... of
2: Johnny next to, to Lennon going like?
0: Because those that don't know, he's like in formaldehyde. Like, you literally can go <laughs> yeah. get like a picture yeah, taken with Yeah, you can stand next to him. Yeah, you can. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. sitting there like, is it real? I don't I'm
2: think there's for a lot of though. Ashton Kutcher comes out, he's like, nah, we're kidding. Yeah, punked. No, you do. You meet a lot of sporting figures, politicians, mayors. I mean, they all want to be in on the action. They all do. And, um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, it sounds it, like it. Yeah, you know, it beats working <laughs> for a living, right? <laughs> that indeed. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, it's it it does, and I'm eternally grateful, and I'm blessed that I've been able to take something that I would have done for free and turned it into being able to provide for a family and and all. Yeah, I I I remember being in the jacuzzi in 1980 at the Sunset Marquee with some girl. I can't remember, and I won't say what was happening, but it was. And and I was looking up, and I thought, all this and salary? Wow. (laughs) And that – my wow, friends is rest. rock and roll
3: <laughs> and that is Steve wood and Steve thank you so much for joining us on 2020 uh when the world does open back up and the tours come round I hope we
0: can we can see
3: you yeah I hope we can meet uh, you Steve person. can we oh,
1: come, yeah will you
0: come back yeah. and like enlighten us because I feel like on behalf of uh you know shelter. You got you and Paul need to be like their uh, their spokespeople and come back and we'd love to be your medium for which you can get these stories out because whatever fun you think you're having the exped- literally only one other time in hundreds of hours has Siobhan ever texted me during a show going uh, uh, this is a riot I'm having so much fun literally doesn't happen because. She's not face. She doesn't even understand what Gen Pop is. She only knows Gen Pop is Gen Pop. So for you to entertain us the way that you have and to enlighten us and to be so... I, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because people, they dance Absolutely. around it. And you're just like, nah, man, this is what happened. I put on my gloves. I put my hands in this fucking shit. And here we are. And David Bowie that, made it. That,
1: that British honesty. It's, yeah. just, it's just there.
2: <laughs> oh, I, the other thing, I, in closing, one thing I have learned by being British is the art of actually insulting somebody and they think it's a, they are being complimented until about 10 seconds later, when you've left the room They go, wait a minute. The guy just called me a dick.
1: And with that, you've been 2020.
0: Thank you. 2020-d.com. Thank you
3: so much thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020 please visit two zero two zero- d dot com and like and subscribe to the podcast check out the merchandise do all sorts of fun stuff like that this week's throwback clip is from episode number 33 featuring satchel of steel Panther check it out
0: and I you know from the beginning with steel Panther I always said like you know the most important thing that we can do is stay together no matter what that's what you know? That's the only thing that matters. We keep on playing together, and we stay together, and we don't break up because what we have is special, and we have a chemistry. And think about all the bands that had had something special, and then they just fucking said fuck you, and they and they all broke up. Van Halen was together for six or seven years.